Hello, church family, and welcome back to New Song Foundations. Today, we're going to be talking about women in leadership. Wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> This is just a little bit of a touchy subject in the church, so we apologize for opening up a can of worms here. We think it's important that we speak to this because of our position on this issue. First thing we want to say is that we're not experts on this issue by any stretch of the imagination. But I want to start out by sharing just a little bit of my own testimony with regard to women in leadership, women in ministry. I can remember as a pastor's son when we moved to Hawaii when I was 10 years old that that was the first time I ever saw a female pastor. We started visiting some of these tiny little churches throughout the islands. And many of them were pastored by females. And as a kid, <laughs> I remember asking the question in my own heart, why are they doing that? Should they be doing that? And there was something about it that I remember being unsettled about. And so I remember going to my dad and asking him, dad, these are women pastors. Help me understand. Is that okay? And I remember my dad saying, well, son, They're answering a need. They're responding to a call on their life. There are some things in scripture that are not perfectly clear. And I'm not sure about this one. And I remember my dad letting me know that he didn't have all the answers at that point in time and that he recognized that there was an anointing and there was a call and that there was somebody stepping up into the place of need, but that it didn't seem to make sense with how he understood scripture. So instead of condemning it and saying, no, this is wrong. This shouldn't be happening. He left room for, I, I really don't have a full understanding of this. I would like to understand it more. And that led to a lot of questions that I had throughout my adult life about women in ministry, women in leadership. I remember seeing anointings and giftings on my own wife and wondering, well, is this biblical? Can she teach? Can she pastor? Can she do these things? And a lot of these questions led to our own pursuit of a biblical answer for this. So let's jump right in and talk about where we stand on this position. We believe that God wants to utilize women in power to build his kingdom. We believe that God wants to equip and anoint and send out women just as he does men. We believe that he wants to raise up fivefold women. We've seen that happen in our own lives. We believe we will continue to see it. We believe it's scriptural. We've spent a great deal of time pondering this, praying about it, talking to other leaders and pastors, talking to those that we trust and love. There are several really well-written books on the subject. However, the one that we've landed on is a book called Why Not Women by Lauren Cunningham and David Hamilton. And the reason we've selected this particular book is because it brings a really great balance of both the experiential aspect of this question and the theological aspect of this question. Now, why would the experiential aspect matter? This is one of the reasons why we picked this particular book, Lauren Cunningham. Lauren Cunningham is the founder of Youth with a Mission, known as YWAM. And many of you have heard of YWAM, but not many people realize the scope of this ministry, that it is the world's largest missions organization, that it produces approximately 
25,000 missions students every year, that it has a staff of over 18,000 individuals around the globe in nearly every single country on earth. This ministry has been around for decades. I think it was launched in the early 60s. And the thing that we're drilling down on here is the fact that Lauren Cunningham has a world of experience, literally. He's been in ministry his entire life, and his missions organization is responsible for bringing hundreds of thousands of individuals to salvation around the world. And in that process, Lauren Cunningham has found himself asking this very question, why is it that there appears to be the Holy Spirit anointing on so many women to lead? Why is there what appears to be a Holy Spirit anointing on a woman to be a pastor, to be an evangelist, an apostolic gifting, the prophetic gifting? Why would that be the case if there appear to be limitations and ceilings on them in Scripture? And he's asked himself that question through the years. And this is the question that many of us find ourselves asking. And so we have the perspective of someone who has seen it practically, who has walked it for years and has been wondering, why would this be the case? Is there a discrepancy? Is there a conflict between what we're seeing and what Scripture says? And the book attempts to bridge that gap and bring those two worlds together and demonstrate that Yes, not only is this experientially true, but it's actually biblical. It's theologically sound. Now, David Hamilton is the theologian who speaks to this issue in the book, and he dives deeply into the key areas of conflict here for most people from Ephesians 5, from 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 14, from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and chapter 3, where all of these scriptures hit us in the face regarding women and what their perceived limitations might be. It's incredibly in-depth. It's very exegetical. It's a little bit heady at times, but it's a must read, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of a teaser, one of the things that will help you understand how there could even be a theological discussion about some of these passages when they seem to be so clear. And let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 14, which is a very well-known passage on this topic of women and ministry because there's this comment from Paul about how it is dishonorable for a woman to speak in church. This comes from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 35. And one of the things that is brought out in this book is the fact that Paul uses a very tiny word in Scripture it's this tiny little Greek word. It's very difficult to translate. And the closest thing that we have to be able to utilize that word in English would be what or nonsense or no way. We're very familiar with it in Romans when Paul says, shall I continue in sin so that grace may abound? What? Or some translations say, may it never be or nonsense. This little word is used 49 times, and it just so happens that it is also used in 1 Corinthians 14, 35. 
So when you insert that word the way it's supposed to be, the statement would go something like this, quote, for it is dishonorable for a woman to speak in the church, unquote. Nonsense. So Paul is utilizing two elements here that he frequently uses in all of his letters, and that is quotations. He's referring to something that somebody else said, and that he's answering it with this little word. What are you talking about? Nonsense. And you might say, well, Chris, I've got a Bible, and I've never seen that word in my Bible in that particular verse, and I'm going to say that's a really good point. So I looked it up myself, and I found, when I checked on 29 different versions, nine of them utilize this word, 20 do not. 20 don't even include the actual Greek word that is there. It's missing. It's just omitted. Of the nine that do include it, all of them insert it in the next verse. In other words, the beginning of verse 36. So they're starting a new sentence with Paul saying, what? So it's missing from verse 35 and inserted in verse 36. Now keep in mind, the Bible is translated with zero punctuation. The punctuation is added after the fact by biblical scholars. So none of the punctuation is there. There's no period. There's no exclamation mark. It's all inferred and it's added by biblical scholars. And so where this is correctly translated in these nine versions, it's actually slightly misplaced because in the Greek, Paul attaches it immediately in response to this statement that is being made about women needing to be quiet in church. And Paul's saying, what are you talking about? This and many other topics, every topic that I can think of relative to women in leadership are all covered in detail in this book. But I want to show you a couple things that I've seen in my own personal study, and that includes... First of all, Romans chapter 16, verse 1, Paul greets Phoebe as a leader in the church. He says this, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centria. Now, when you look at that word servant, it comes from the original Greek word diakonon. And if you look up the Strong's definition for that word, it's actually meaning a Christian teacher or pastor. And so this particular word that Paul uses, it's very likely that he was referring to Phoebe as a pastor or teacher at the church that he's referring to. And then also Paul mentions in this same letter to the Romans, verse 3 and 4, he mentions Prisca and Aquila. Now he's referring to Priscilla and Aquila that are first mentioned in the book of Acts. And he calls them out saying that they lead a church in their home and that all the Gentile churches are thankful for them. And the thing that I want to point out is the order that Paul lists this couple. He lists Priscilla first. The reason that's interesting is because Luke does this very thing in the book of Acts. As he is writing this narrative about the launch of the new church, Luke will often use order in a very significant way. The, the way that he lists names is critical to the story, to the narrative. For example, when we're introduced to Paul and Barnabas doing ministry together, Luke refers to them as Barnabas and Saul or Barnabas and Paul because Barnabas was the perceived leader in that team. 
However, over time, we see Luke literally flip that on its head and begin to speak of Paul and Barnabas, indicating that Paul had become actually the leader in that team because of the giftings on his life. And it's the same thing. Paul does the same thing himself. And here's an example where we have him greeting Priscilla and Aquila and the church in their home. Many Bible scholars believe that this was a church that was primarily run by Priscilla and Aquila was primarily still making tents and making a living for the family. And actually, there's several other examples like this. However, this is not an attempt to argue with anyone about their particular beliefs on this subject. The thing that I want to point out is that what we want to do with regard to this subject of women in ministry is maintain a humble position on this, recognizing we do not have all the answers. And and many times over the years, there have been individuals that have approached me on this subject and asked my opinion and told me that they disagreed vehemently with my position. And I've told them something along these lines. You may be right. You may be right. All I can tell you is this is my own personal conviction. And I have a clear conscience before the Lord on this position. I just want to jump in here and share from my own life just a little bit and then give a perspective of how Chris and I approach this practically in our house church leadership. First of all, I was raised in Texas in a denominational church that had very strong views on women in leadership. And so growing up, I saw my dad lead in very distinct ways in the church in many different positions as an elder. Sunday school teacher, a teacher on Sunday mornings, later on as a pastor. And my mom was the classic helpmeet. She was always behind him, supporting him, beside him being the wind in his wings. And it was wonderful to see that. But as I got older, I began to realize there is a bigger perspective that is a global perspective, so to say, where in many nations, God is using women in much different roles. And for many purposes that I, growing up, had traditionally seen assigned to men and was taught that biblically only belonged to men. So I began to wrestle through this issue for myself. And what Chris is saying here is a result of our personal wrestlings. This is where we've landed. As a result, this is what we are teaching the leadership teams to wrestle through for themselves and then hopefully eventually embrace. I think it's also very important for us to note that scripture outlines exactly how the church should be ordered in regards to Christ being the head of the church and Christ covering the man and the man covering the woman. And this order is very crucial and important. So I want to read to us from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, which is a really crucial verse in understanding the order set out in the church by the Lord through Paul. And verse 3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. So there's this order, this godly order that the Lord has set out. And when we talk about women in ministry, Chris and I firmly believe that it's important for us to keep that order, even as we promote women to be all that the Lord has called them to be, all that he's created them to be, for them to thrive, for us to champion them 
as we do that, we have to do that within that order of a woman being covered by her husband, if she's single, by her pastor or by her leader, and knowing that that leader and that husband are covered by the Lord God himself. So that order and that alignment is very important. When we step outside of that order that Paul outlines here, we step outside of the blessing of God in regards to ministry, in regards to walking in our giftings. We want to stay covered. That covering is crucial. So order is always important in scripture. The order that God accomplishes something in, the order that he gives something in, all of those things are always have a very strong meaning to the Lord and crucial importance to the Lord. So as we look at his order that he's laid out, it's important for us to make sure that we align ourselves with that order. And I feel like as we close here, it's also important for us to note that this is something that we are continually asking the Lord about and asking him for wisdom, asking him to show us, how does this look in your church, Father? How should we understand the outworking of this in your church? And we would encourage you as leaders to do the same. Ask the Lord, pray, and ask him to give you wisdom, discernment, and insight from the word and from what you see the Holy Spirit doing on the face of the earth, both of those in combination together as you wrestle this through and come to conclusion and conviction on this. Amen. That's well said. So, we understand that this is a difficult topic, and of course, we don't want to be in a position or ask any of our leaders to be in a position where you try to have all the answers on this. We'd like you to have a clear conscience regarding how you apply Scripture and how you understand Scripture with respect to this topic. And so we hope that this helps to incentivize you to dig deeper into this topic. We've got the book that we've recommended, Why Not Women? There's several other really good titles on the subject that you should not have any trouble finding. So thanks so much for joining us today as we've wrestled a little bit with what this looks like, women in leadership in the church. And we pray the Lord's blessing and favor and wisdom on you as you come to a strong conviction for yourselves and his blessing on New Song as we pursue the course that we believe that he has charted for us as a church body. We look forward to seeing you next time.